Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insiders coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's also free. Check out TalkNorth.com for the Viking Update Show, all of our other sports, outdoor, and entertainment shows. We do appreciate it. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our longtime sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and Platinum Bank. Jeff, uh, we have a little bit of breaking news here. We are recording earlier in the week than usual, Tuesday morning, uh, about six days before the Vikings' Monday night game against the 49ers at U.S. Bank Stadium. It now appears that Marcus Davenport, who has been a very good factor when he's been on the field, but hasn't been on the field that much, has a high ankle sprain and is likely to be out for quite a while. Looks like they'll be without Jefferson and Davenport for the next three to five weeks. Uh, and injuries happen. In, any NFL player can be injured on any play, but this is a guy with an injury history who hasn't been able to stay on the field. It doesn't look great. No, and I, I think that kind of reinforces, uh, Jim, what, that that was a risky signing with Marcus Davenport with, with his injury history. And uh, last year in New Orleans and his entire career in New Orleans, he had never played a full season played 15 games with only nine starts last year and only a half a sack after having nine sacks in 2021 when he only played 11 games and only played 11 games in 2020 and 13 games in 18 and 19. So this is a guy that has never been able to stay on the field, never been able to stay healthy for a full season. So definitely a risky signing, a $13 million one-year deal which in that regard with the one-year deal, not quite as dangerous as doing a long-term deal. And I'm sure Davenport was hoping he would parlay a really good season this year into a, a long-term deal, whether with the Vikings or another team. But again, it's, it's kind of repeating for him with, with the ankle problem that he had, missed the first couple of games, came back and, and flashed in that Carolina game with the four tackles, a sack, tackle for loss and made a big impact in the run defense particularly along with pass pressure he also had a sack against the Chiefs and then gets hurt early in the game against the Bears now they, they got a really good performance out of DJ Wanham in that game I don't think they've gotten that much out of Patrick Jones the concern has to be especially with run defense and playing against a team such as the 49ers that wants to run the ball and the Bears were able to run the ball very effectively last week. So I think it's a it's, it's problematic, <laughs> I would say, for the Vikings defense and for Brian Flores. When you look at, hey, if the Chicago Bears could run for 162 yards with not a great offensive line and they had injury problems, I think it shows the importance of Davenport almost more so in run defense because he's a big body guy in there. I think it's a big concern going into the San Francisco game because we know San Francisco, they want to run the ball as much as they can. And they have the the third-ranked rushing offense in the league. Now, they have their own injury issues with Christian McCaffrey battling an oblique and rib problem. We'll see if he can make it back on Monday night. Debo Samuel, who's also a big part of their running game with a lot of jet sweeps and things like that, he's hurt. Uh, with a shoulder uh, coming out of their of, of their game in Cleveland where they had their first loss of the season. So the 49ers have their issues too, but Davenport I think is is a key guy that 
I think the Vikings are going to really miss if he's out for, say, four to five weeks with a high, high ankle sprain. And we'll just have to see how that plays out. Jeff, of course, former Vikings general manager when they went to the NFC Championship game, former Tennessee Titan president when they almost won the Super Bowl. Uh, we appreciate you listening to our experts at TalkNorth.com. We have a great lineup, and uh, and it's been a blast to put together this network and run this network and have it succeed so much. Thanks so much. Um, the Bears game, <sighs> unsightly mess, but they won. And I know you've always said that, hey, you know, you win in the NFL, you don't have to apologize, and down the road, are you going to see it, of it as a win? Is that the way you look at this one as well? Yeah, definitely. There, there. I, I, as I've said often, Jim, there are no ugly wins in the NFL. Now, the Bears game was not a pretty win, <laughs> per, <laughs> per se, but just get the W is what I always told our team, our coaches, our players, just get the W. In three or four weeks, no one's going to remember how it happened but there will be a W on the record. And that, that was the critical thing in Chicago. And, and it, it was getting a little dicey at the end when the, when the Vikings offense could do nothing in the second half and, and the bears were capitalizing on the loss of, of Jefferson. It was obvious that they were putting eight in the box, trying to stop the run, which they did a great job of doing that. The Vikings only had 46 yards rushing, which is another big concern going into the San Francisco game against a much better defense. So it was certainly ugly offensively in the second half when they only get two first downs the whole second half, 58 yards. And and they had played decent in the first half and with, with the 13 points that they had at halftime. But, and certainly the turnovers played a big part in, in the victory. And I think that that's a good sign for the Vikings on a team that, we all expected the offense to lead the way and the defense. They were, we were hoping for improvement. Well, they, they have improved, at, at least statistically. They've had a few rough moments already in Philadelphia when the Eagles ran all over them. Uh, and, and certainly Kansas City finding a way to win that game. Tampa Bay in the second half. The Chargers went to that quick passing. So the defense has, their, has had their issues but they are better this year, even though the takeaways are down a little bit. But they had three takeaways in, in the Chicago game, which was critical in getting the win. And certainly the scoop and score of Jordan Hicks, a huge play in the game. We know that. And, and Josh Metellus forcing that fumble. Daniil Hunter having a great day. And, and wow, how important is, is was the re-signing of Daniil Hunter yep. and keeping him healthy if they don't have him and they don't have Davenport I think it's it's lights out for the defense that they that they're just going to struggle immensely but but Hunter is is almost carrying the defense by himself <laughs> in terms of eight sacks tied for the NFL lead through six games he's playing great I don't know if they're if they're talking extension anymore, but they should be, <laughs> yeah, because because he's a guy that they've got to have. And I, I kind of chuckle when I see some of these national reports talking about the trade deadline being two weeks away. And oh, Daniil Hunter, he's a guy that could easily be traded. There's no way they can trade Daniil Hunter. No, the defense would totally fall apart without him, uh, even though. I think they're better in certain areas, and Jordan Hicks is having a better year than he did last year. We know that. But the secondary is still suspect. 
the corners are still suspect. I think one of the really positive things to come out of the Bear game was the play of Byron Murphy because I thought he was wasn't very good in the games leading up to that game against Chicago. I, he gave up two touchdown passes in the Kansas City game, including to a rookie, uh, Rasheed Rice, that turned out to be the winning touchdown. Uh, the Kelsey play, he wasn't he was the closest guy and sitting in the end zone. So Byron Murphy really stepped up his play, holding down DJ Moore to five catches for 51 yards. I think that was a major, major improvement on his part. And had the big interception at the end of the game when when Tyson Bajan made his ill-advised throw <laughs> so the Vikings could capitalize on on getting Fields out of the game. And, and then I, I also kind of laugh when people say, well, if Justin Fields had played, the Bears would have won the game. He wasn't playing great while he, he was, was playing there well. either, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, check out some of the other shows at TalkNorth.com. Great chin music show with Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal and the Twins are going to be very interesting this offseason. Uh, the Viking Update show with John Krasinski. The John Krasinski show, we just did a live show at Head Flyer, Pack the Place. Uh, great Wolves show as the Wolves get ready to kick off the season. we got lots of hockey, outdoor content, everything else. Uh, Jeff, it, it, I am, I'm becoming more provincial in my old age, and I'm really sick of the national media, whether it's the Vikings or the Wolves, just assuming that everybody on the team is just fodder for other teams, that the Minnesota teams are just farm systems. They're not going to trade Daniil Hunter. They're not going to trade Kirk Cousins. They're going to try to win. Yeah, there's no doubt. And and you look at, at, the, at the standings, and I don't think people pay that close attention this time of year, and, and even some of the national media, as you said. The, the Vikings, if, if you really study the standings, they're one game out of a wild card spot right now. Yep. The, the, the second and third wild card teams are sitting at, at uh, or the third wild card team sitting at three and three. The Vikings are two and four. And yeah, they're three games behind the Lions, but they still have two games with Detroit. Detroit is certainly cruising along and playing really well. I, I thought that, that the Bucks would play them a lot tougher last Sunday and, and Detroit rolled over them. So whether they're going to catch Detroit or not, and certainly that, that's questionable at this point, but I think they can, they can make that run for, for one of those seven playoff spots. I, I think these next few weeks are really important to, to make some headway in that area. And I'm not necessarily going to say they're going to beat San Francisco, but they are going to need to beat Green Bay and then follow that up and find a way to win in Atlanta and probably against New Orleans. And all of a sudden, you're you're sitting at 5-5 five and five and you're right in the hunt going to Denver and then the Bears at home. you got a chance to, to, to make some hay in kind of the middle stretch of the schedule. But none of those games are easy. Certainly San Francisco's not. And at Green Bay is not going to be easy unless Jordan Love plays like he did in Las Vegas, which probably he won't. The Falcons are an up-and-down team. The Saints are an up-and-down team. So those games could go either way, but they're opportunities, definitely. They're not playing Kansas City and Philadelphia and San Francisco at that point in time and and really don't have a, a really, really difficult game potentially until they head to Cincinnati and, and then hit the Lions. So there are opportunities ahead, and I, and I think they have a chance against against the 49ers, especially if, if uh, McCaffrey and, and Samuel are out and Brock Purdy maybe 
he doesn't have quite the confidence level he had before after after his first loss following 10 regular season wins in a row. We'll see how that one plays out. But again, the key is to get pressure on him and to be able to control the running game of San Francisco. And, and that's where I think it's going to be a problem. Yeah, and Trent Williams is also banged up. So, you know, <clears throat> listen, the 49ers have a great roster. They have a great defense. Purdy's played exceptionally well. But McCaffrey and Samuel are the guys who make them impossible to game plan against because they can play any offensive position. They can catch. They can run. Um, and then Trent Williams is one of the reasons they have such a powerhouse offensive line. So, listen, I, I think now more than ever, the key to being an intelligent Viking fan to being an intelligent Minnesota sports fan is to real is to recognize what's going on around the league, not just what's wrong with your local team. And listen, nobody thought the 49ers would lose at the Browns. Nobody thought the Eagles would lose against the Jets. Nobody thought the Giants would be in a position where they should have beaten the Bills in Buffalo. There's a lot of variance in the league. You know, turnovers, quarterback pressures, special teams plays can swing games. So while, of course, anybody having to bet their own money would probably bet on the 49ers on Monday night, it's not a gimme. It's not a it's not a definite because the NFL doesn't have that many definites. You know, and things can happen in games as, as we saw Justin Fields got knocked out in the bear game and all of a sudden they've got Tyson Bajan in who who knew who he was going to this game out of Shepherd University. Come on. It, it kind of it kind of reminded me of of my old GM in Minnesota, Mike Lynn, who used to say the most important player on your team is your starting quarterback. The second most important player is probably your your number two quarterback. And, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of resonated with me over the years to, to have a good backup, which we had for many years with the Vikings, whether it was Tommy Kramer starting and Wade Wilson backing up, or whether when I was in Tennessee, we had Steve McNair and he hurt his back. But we had Neil O'Donnell, who was a former Super Bowl quarterback in Pittsburgh. So it, it is important to have a good number two. I don't know what the Bears were thinking with Bajan, and maybe they saw great things from him in training camp, so they thought he could suffice. But the way Fields runs around, that was a dangerous thing to assume that he would stay healthy. And, and now it looks like Tyson Bajan may be the starter for several weeks for Chicago, which maybe they're okay with that. But but they don't even have a first-round pick next year because of the trade. Uh, or, or they actually have what well, they have the extra first round pick next year. So they're going to be sitting there in the position to get Caleb Williams because they'll have Carolina's first round pick. So how do they handle that? How do they handle fields? There's so many dynamics working in Chicago <clears throat> and, and Justin Fields certainly doesn't help. It doesn't help his cause if he's out of the lineup and then they're playing Bayesian. But as you said, things can happen. Brock Purdy has been hurt in the past. They could all of a sudden, if he has an injury and Sam Darnold comes in, who knows what happens on Monday night. I think realistically, it's hard to pick a win, but we'll get to that soon. <laughs> yes, we will. We'll do our NFL picks and talk about the rest of the league here. In a I want to talk about the running game for the Vikings. First, though, I want to hear about White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. And a reminder, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC with my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell. They're fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. 
and you will see $1,000 dealer discount plus a $1,250 rebate and 1.9% APR on 2023 Buick Encore GX, a $6,500 total rebate and $3,250 trade assistance and bonus cash with a 0.9% APR on GMC Sierra Crew 1500s, 0.9% APR and 3250 purchase allowance on 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s. Great deals on all the vehicles at the White Bear Lake Superstore, plus no monthly payments until 2024 on many of these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. We also want to thank longtime sponsor Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, happy to talk about our great sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, have personally experienced tremendous customer service, working with Executive VP Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. I want to thank our network sponsor, Caldera Labs, calderalab.com. Use a promo code VIKINGS to get 20% off all their products. It's men facial products. I use it. I love them. They're easy to use. They're designed for men. They've helped my face a lot. Calderalab.com, pro, uh, promo code VIKINGS for 20% off. That's the best deal you're going to find anywhere. So I'm getting this feeling that, well, I'll say this. I think Cam Akers is better than Alexander Madison. I'd like to see Cam Akers get more carries. I'm also intrigued by Chandler. I just don't see Madison uh, making plays. I don't see him breaking tackles in the running game. I don't see him catching the ball smoothly in the passing game. He's had fumbles. I, I just when I it's just the eye test. When I watch Cam Akers run, I have think he has a better sense following blocks, uh, wiggling free. He looks smoother in the passing game. What do you think of all that? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jim, on on Cam Akers and, and Alex Madison. I, I think Madison is a good player, but he, he's a power back. He, he's a kind of a one-direction bull in the china shop, so to speak. And and it, it's definitely a concern with his drops and with the fumbles this year. Doesn't seem to be getting much better, especially in terms of drop balls. Cam Akers, he, as I said, looks like a smoother athlete looks like he has more instincts and kind of follows the blocks a little bit better and I think the question is how well has he picked up the offense how good is he in pass protection those are some of the things that may be keeping him from getting more snaps at this point but I think it it will increase as the year goes on and and I think that he will play a bigger role and and he should play a bigger role as as he is more comfortable in the offense and especially in pass protection because that, that's really a key, even though they obviously use CJ Ham a lot in the backfield to help in pass protection and, and the tight ends, Josh Oliver 
and, and TJ Hawkinson. And, but I, I do agree with you on Cam Akers. And, and speaking of Hawkinson, again, uh, come on, TJ. You're the second highest paid tight end in the league, over $15 million a year. you got to be ke- making those tough contested catches. And he had another big drop in the game. He had a, a, a costly holding penalty that, that killed a drive uh, when Madison had picked up a first down. He's got to up his game, even though he did have – did have six catches for 50 yards in the game, but should have been more. He should be more dominant. We didn't see these drops that he had. Uh, we didn't see this last year out of TJ. He was very consistent. And, and I think that it, it has been costly for the offense in a lot of ways. So he, he's a guy that's got to pick up his game. I, I think that obviously the running game has to pick up. And then you look at, at what's going to happen on the offensive line Dalton Reisner, again, how is he picking up the scheme? Because when he came in for Cleveland and they needed that big first down at the end of the game, he kind of graded the way for Madison to pick up eight yards and get a big first down that helped run out the clock. I'd like to see more of Dalton Reisner, whether it's for Cleveland or whether it's for Ingram. They still seem to like Ingram, especially in the run game, but he's got problems in pass protection. And, and whoa, here comes a big-time pass rushing team with that 4-3 defense, and you talk about inside pressure, they've got Javon Hargrave, they've got Eric Armstead. These are big-time players that the 49ers have on that front four. Of course, Nick Bosa will be outside, and he'll be testing O'Neal and Derisaw because they'll move him around. But And they may even move him inside, too, to take take a run at Ingram. So I think it's really going to be a difficult game. Kirk Cousins is going to have to get the ball out quickly, and I think what we did see in the Bear game with Jefferson out is the blueprint for how teams are going to play the Vikings. They're going to creep up to the line of scrimmage. They're going to try to stop the run. They're going to trust their their corners and safeties to play one-on-one against the Viking receivers. Addison got open deep but couldn't come up with that catch. He's going to have to make big plays. Osborne has been a little inconsistent this year, made a couple better catches against the Bears, but he's got to not drop the ball. Hawkinson's got to be more consistent. And you and you talk about why was the offense so anemic in the second half? Well, drops and not being able to run the ball. And all of a sudden, the Bears had everybody the line of scrimmage, basically, and making it really tough to, to move them out on the run game. And I'm, Now, the 49ers are not a big blitzing team because they've got such a great front four. They trust their front four, and then they play coverage, and they've got – Great players at linebacker and Warner and Greenlaw and, and Warner does blitz and he and I'm sure they'll send him because they saw that the Chiefs and Bears had success with the blitz against Cousins. It, it's kind of ironic because the Vikings are this big blitzing team, one of the biggest blitzing teams in the league under Flores, but other teams are having success blitzing them too. <laughs> so Kevin O'Connell has some things to figure out offensively and and Wes Phillips with their protections and with their their schemes because teams are coming after Cousins. And I, I think as we saw with the Bears, and, and it, it, I think it's really fascinating, Jim. You look around the league at all, at so many quarterback injuries out of last week besides Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence hurt his knee, jo- Josh Allen hurt his shoulder. They stayed in the game. Daniel Jones and Deshaun Watson didn't play. Somehow the Browns won without Deshaun Watson with P.J. Walker. But I, I think... What it tells me also is that 
Viking fans need to appreciate the durability of Kirk Cousins, who's never missed a start due to injury in his 12-year career. And if they don't have him in the lineup, how can they win with Jaron Hall? And you got Nick Mullins on IR. So better find a way to protect Cousins. Uh, no doubt about it. All right, let's get to the league. Uh, we'll talk about the league while we go through our picks. Las Vegas at Chicago. Is Vegas competent, or they just, have they just gotten to play some bad teams? I, I think that they are semi-competent. Certainly, they, they've got some some good guys on defense. Max Crosby is fun to watch. He's just a, he's a John Randall type, just a, a high-motor guy, and in that win over the Packers. He was just all over Jordan Love, as we saw. Garoppolo, he's he's like a Davenport, has a hard time staying on the field. And if he's not in there, I think it's going to be dangerous for, for Vegas. Devontae Adams ha- has not quite been the major factor that he's been in the past. So we'll see how, how that shakes out. He's one of the people people are talking about as a possible trade deadline target for teams. They're not going to trade Devontae Adams when they're three and three nope. and, and in, in contention. Uh, and, and not to mention what they gave up to Green Bay to get him. So, so yeah, I, I think that, I think that uh, the, the Raiders ultimately are not going to be a playoff team, but, but they're, they're going to be in, in the hunt probably and certainly should be able to handle T- Tyson Bajant this week. <laughs> Yeah, you would think so. All right, uh, so I think we're both going Vegas in that game because Chicago was terrible. Detroit at Baltimore, really interesting game. The Lions look great right now. The Ravens have had a lot of injuries, but Lamar Jackson's playing well. They seem to be getting better, um, and and Baltimore's a tough place to play. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think this is the week that that Detroit take, takes an L even though they're playing really well and Jared Goff threw for 353 last week against Tampa Bay, I guess a good defense, but I think the lions are going to have a hard time in Baltimore against the Ravens. They're going to have to handle Lamar Jackson's running and passing. He's got Odell Beckham is back now and uh, contributing a little bit more. Zay flowers, a, a good target. Mark Andrews, a great tight end. This Detroit defense has been one of the big surprises in the league that they were the worst defense last year. And now they're ranked in, I think, the top 10 playing really well. <clears throat> and we know Aiden Hutchinson is a really good player. But I, I like Baltimore in this game at home. I, I think it's going to be a, a close game and a good matchup of two division leaders. But, I, but I'll, I'll, I'll take the Ravens. We agree again. Green Bay at Denver. Denver looks like a dumpster fire again. Green Bay is struggling. Who do you like? Well, I, I'm going to have to go with the Packers, but I wouldn't be surprised if Denver finds a way to rise up and perhaps Russell Wilson coming off a, another bad game for him. <clears throat> Maybe they figure it out. Uh, they're coming off their bye. They're well-rested and and love coming off a bad game. Uh, I, I would pick the Packers to bounce back, but would not be surprised if Denver finds a way to beat them. Uh, once again, we agree on that one. San Francisco, well, we'll save that for last. Miami at Philadelphia, premier game of the week. The Dolphins are an incredible offensive show. The Eagles are coming off a loss. They're better than they looked on Sunday. Who do you like? Uh, yeah, I think this is a really fascinating game and, and a, a great game to have nationally on Sunday night. The Eagles' secondary is banged up. They've got injury issues there. 
and and coming off that loss to the Jets, Jalen Hurts threw three interceptions, kind of uncharacteristic for him. Miami going against the the Philadelphia secondary, you would think could be a great matchup for them with obviously with Tagovailoa and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Waddle. I'm I'm tempted to take Miami, but I'm going to go with the Eagles at home. I will go with the Eagles at home. And now 49ers at the Vikings on the Viking update show. I actually picked the Vikings to win. I don't know why just because the league is weird. Uh, so I'm going to give the Vikings a chance in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's certainly if McCaffrey and Samuel are out, it helps their, 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 their cause. I just think they're going to have a really hard time moving the ball against that 49er defense. That is just so such an excellent defense. They're third ranked this year. They were the top defense in the league last year. They're loaded in that, front four that I think will give the the Vikings offensive line fits in this game. I, I just I just have a hard time seeing the Vikings scoring enough points to win the game and and I think San Francisco I, I would call it maybe a 23-20. I think the Vikings can keep it relatively close, but I I can't pick I can't pick the Vikings over the 49ers when when they look like the best team in the league at least going into Cleveland. And I guess we give the Browns credit for having the, the number one defense in the league and able to stop them and playing outdoors and all that. Now they don't have to worry about the, the weather. And, and let's not forget the 49ers had a 41 yard field goal that they missed at the buzzer. That would have won that game Yep, with Jake Moody, their rookie kicker. Now maybe he has confidence issues carrying over, but as we've seen in the past, when kickers come inside to U.S. Bank Stadium, they usually have success. And and he, and he was a, a high draft pick, too, for San Francisco. I'll take the 49ers. I'm going to say, I, I'm not, I don't know that the Vikings could score 20. I'll, I'll say 23-17. That sounds about right. Okay, good stuff from Jeff. We'll be back next week to review the 49ers game, set up a Packer game that could be me- very meaningful. Uh, and we appreciate you listening. Once again, if you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Go to talknorth.com, find all the shows you like, subscribe to your favorite podcast after all of them. We do appreciate it. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. We'll talk to you next week.